On the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to talk about something that actually should involve everybody, everybody who's listening, everybody who's a Christian, everybody who identifies as a Christian. You know, we talk a lot about how people identify themselves. If you identify as a Christian, our topic tonight should pertain to you. We're going to talk about persecution. We're going to talk about some historical example of persecution, but but we especially want to talk about perse- persecution that we should be likely dealing with in our lives and how to react to persecution. We think it's an important topic. Stay with us. The virtual Bible study starts right now. It's time for this week's edition of the virtual Bible study. The virtual Bible study is a live internet only call in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible or are you simply interested in learning more about the scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's word. The virtual Bible study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday night july the 21st 2022 we welcome you to the virtual bible study and we want you to get ready to participate with us in our study tonight you can do that in several ways you can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com or you can give us a phone call at 931-381-4567 or you can get in our live chat room that's, uh, that you see by the video window where you're watching tonight. In any of those ways, you can contact us. You can add your comments. You can ask questions as we engage in the virtual Bible study tonight. We hope you will do that. My name is Greg Gwynn. With me tonight on the program is Josh McCord. Josh, welcome. Good to be here. And behind the control board, as usual, Kyle Barnes. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. We had a good. Uh, we've had a good week so far, uh, Josh. Uh, all things considered, we we had our long anticipated community Bible study uh, this week on Monday and Tuesday nights, and we just had some really excellent lessons about families in crisis. And about parenting concerns, uh, Donnie Rader was our speaker and just, I think, just did an outstanding job in, in those lessons. Absolutely. He gave us a lot to think about, a lot of Bible-based uh, information and encouragement, and so we've got to get got to get busy. Yeah. Now, if you were unable to attend, and if you have not already accessed those lessons, you can do so. You can find them on our YouTube, YouTube channel College View live stream. Now, you're not watching on that channel right now. You're watching on the Virtual Bible Study channel on YouTube. We have another channel. It's College View live stream. And so if you're not, if you're, if you haven't seen those lessons, we would strongly encourage you to do that. Uh, also, there's a link uh, on our homepage, collegeview.com. If you look under special studies, uh, the, you'll see the link to those videos and really great, important information. If you haven't seen those already, we would encourage you to do that. Uh, so we we actually uh, have been building up to that. I guess now we can take a deep breath and rest for right. just a minute, but uh, hopefully we'll have some more special events to report to our audience very soon. We, we thank you for your interest in what we're doing here at College View. Of course, this virtual Bible study is a a weekly effort that we've been doing for over 17 years on Thursday night. Uh, and, and we hope that you will uh, get a lot of good out of it. Remember that on our website, the virtual Bibles, the virtual Bible study.com, or you can go to collegeview.com and, and they both those sites are linked together, but under the virtual Bible study, you will see archives, audio archives of all the programs we've done for 17 plus years, just a, a huge host of different Bible subjects have been discussed in that amount of time. Uh, there, and then a lot of them in the more recent years also have uh, video editions uh, or uh, archives as well. So just a lot of information there that you can access on our website. We hope you will do that. Tonight we want to talk about as we said, something that really should pertain to all of us, all who call themselves Christians, should be interested in the subject of persecution. Uh, Josh, I think it's something that maybe we don't think about enough because we live in such a uh, 
time of freedom and liberty, the, the, at least the place where we live, we've grown up sort of expecting, almost taking for granted that we can do what we want to do religiously. Nobody's going to bother us about that. Uh, those times may be changing. I'm not sure. I, I'm not a prophet. Can't predict that. But uh, certainly the faithful people of God all through time have been persecuted. Right. I think you're right. I mean, there are some places right now in different parts of the world where, where people who uh, are Christians or identifying being Christians are persecuted. And that may that may come to us. I mean, there may be, uh, even though things have been pretty smooth sailing so far, there may come times that it gets really difficult uh, and there may be persecutions, uh, very strong persecutions coming toward us. And I, and I really, you know, as you said, we can't predict it, but I think things are moving that direction. They're moving yeah, closer I, to that every day. I would be thinking that way a lot more today than I would have 10 years ago. Say. Right. Uh, or especially 20 or 30 years ago. Uh, we certainly seem to be moving in that direction. So earlier today, we sent out to our email update list. If you're not on our update list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just put in the subject line, add me to your list, and we will do that. Uh, if you're on our list, you get a, an update midday on Thursday telling about our topic for study that night and asking some questions. These are the questions we put out earlier today. Number one, what do you think are the greatest examples of faithful servants of God enduring persecution in either the Old or New Testament? Number two, what should be our expectation about persecution? Number three, what are some of the current forms of persecution? I'd be interested to know what our listeners think there, especially. I don't think we're, you know, as we said, we live in a really blessed and free time, but I don't think we're totally free from persecution. I'd like to hear what some people think about that. Number four, list the various ways we should respond to persecution and especially note that we are instructed to rejoice in response to persecution. How could that be that you'd be rejoicing about persecution? Number five, are there actually benefits to be gained when you are persecuted? And number six, this is Josh and I talked about this yesterday. I think this is really an important question. Is it ever appropriate to try to avoid or evade? persecution. So I think that's an important question we'll get to at the end of our study. So what about this first one? Josh, who did you have on your list? Great examples of faithful servants of God who endured persecution. Well, I had several. I'm going to start in the Old Testament uh, and I'm going to reference Jeremiah. Uh, In Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 2, it says, Then Pasher smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And if you uh, skip down to verse 7 in Jeremiah 20, uh, Jeremiah felt like he'd been deceived. He said, O Lord, thou hast uh, deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. Uh, So Jeremiah, you know, things were really tough for Jeremiah. You know, you think about the success rate. If if we're doing a job and, and we're trying to measure our success, Jeremiah wasn't that successful, I mean, as far as human standards go. I mean, people, he was trying to encourage the people to turn to God, and they just they just weren't really doing that at all. And, and he was telling them, you know, there's going to be uh, captivity. I mean, there's a lot of different issues. Yeah. Uh, and, and and ended up things really went south. But Jeremiah was a prophet who was persecuted. Uh, and he was determined to be faithful to God, and he paid a price for it. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly. right. I, I started in the Old Testament with my list, too. I I started with Joseph in the Old Testament. Uh, Joseph, every time he turned around, something bad happened to him because he was a good person. His brothers hated him because he was a good person. They sold him Mm -hmm. as a slave because he was a good person. Uh, They were jealous. Yeah, they were jealous. When he was serving in Potiphar's house in Egypt, uh, Potiphar's wife was a wicked woman, and she lied about him. He got persecuted because he did the right thing. He did thing. the right thing and ran away. Yeah, he ran away from her when she was trying to seduce him and ended up in jail because of it. And then in jail, he got over overlooked and forgotten. And I mean, and but through it all, I mean, through it all, Joseph was exemplary. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot of examples. I got several on my list, but let's look at, I wanted to see what the e, our emailers said about this. Uh uh, see, uh, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, says uh, uh, in Matthew 23, beginning verse 29, Christ indicated that the Old Testament prophets had been persecuted. So that would include mm-hmm. Jeremiah and a lot of others. 
In the New Testament, a great many brethren during the first century had to endure persecution. Perhaps the Apostle Paul suffered and endured such as much as any. And, and of course, he lists his persecutions in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 30. I think you're right about that, uh, Kent. Uh, Dwight in Iowa, by the way, Dwight and Michelle from Iowa came all the way to our community Bible study this week, but I got a message from them tonight that they're home safely. We're glad for that. Uh, Dwight says, in the Old Testament, Joseph was sold by his brother, sent to jail because of Potiphar's wife's accusation against him. In the New Testament, there was Paul and Silas being put in jail. Paul was stoned and left for dead. Stephen was stoned to death. Of course, Jesus was persecuted and put to death. First century Christians were put in prison and or killed. Uh, I think all of that exactly right. There's just so many examples. Uh, I, I, I tell you one I, of course, I'm like Dwight. If, the ultimate example is Jesus himself, who was who was sinlessly perfect. You know, no other person who's ever been persecuted was sinlessly perfect. There were some really, really good people who got persecuted, but they they were sinful human beings. Yeah. Jesus was sinfully perfect and was ultimately persecuted by being tortured to death on the cross of Calvary. So I think Jesus stands out as the ultimate example. But I was thinking in the book of Daniel, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in two separate instances uh, were persecuted. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they wouldn't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. Mm-hmm. And, and they were thrown in the burning, fiery furnace. But they said, oh, we are not careful to answer you, O king. Uh, you know, w- w- We're going to do what's right. We don't care what you do to us. I mean, what, what a noble example of withstanding persecution, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then Daniel, uh, when the king put out an edict, it was a different king, uh, but when the king put out an edict that you could only pray to him for 30 days, Daniel didn't hide the fact that he was still praying to the God of heaven and was thrown in the den of lions. And so I, I think in, in the book of Daniel, we have a, a couple of great examples, but man, there are just so many uh as, as I think uh, Dwight mentioned, Stephen stoned to death. Certainly Paul stands right. out as a notable example, uh, as as uh, Kent mentioned. They're just mm-hmm. a lot of great people. Now, yeah. I want to yeah, a little bit. I want I want everybody to keep in mind, in your mind, that list of great faithful people of God who have endured persecution. I want you to keep that in mind, and, and we'll, we'll try to tie that in when we get a little later in our study. So, all these people were persecuted. What should we expect, Josh? Well, you know, I uh, want to reference maybe John um, 15, uh, because Jesus had some things to say about how the world looked at him and and viewed him. Uh, In in John 15, beginning verse 18, Jesus said, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of this world, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Jesus was talking to his disciples, uh, of course, but I think that's true for us. The world hated uh, Jesus, and so he was telling his disciples, you know, the world's going to hate you, but they hated me before they hated you because you're not of the world. I'm not of the world. We're not living worldly lives. And so I think that's maybe maybe a little bit of comfort for us. You know, we shouldn't fit in really well with the world. We should stand out. You know, that may be a good self-test if... If I am so much like the world around me that there's no notable difference and therefore no reason for the world to hate me or or persecute me in any way, that's almost a, a warning sign. That's like right. a self-test that ought to warn us. If we're not getting some pushback from the world, yeah. there's something wrong. Yeah, if I'm living right, somewhere along the way, the world and I are going to be on two different ends of the spectrum. And so, I, so as far as answering that question, what should we expect we should expect that there should be some kind, even if it's even if it's minimal, there should be some kind of persecution. If everything is just going great and wonderful and your religious views are lining up with worldly views, there's a problem. Exactly right. Uh, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Peter said, it's, you should not be surprised. Don't think it's strange when the world persecutes you, puts a fiery trial upon you. You should expect that. 
Uh, you know, I, I'm afraid that we have lived in, in sort of the lap of luxury so long that if we get a little persecution, we're just all blown away by it. Yeah. Peter says, don't be surprised by that. Don't think it's yeah. strange. It's happened to the faithful people of God all through time. It has happened. You could go all the way back to the first chapters of the book of Genesis. Abel was persecuted by being murdered. His brother Cain murdered him because he had done what God, Abel did what right. God said to do, and Cain hated him for it. Right. Yeah, and, and the same will happen to us, too. I mean, we're we're seeing some of it in our world, and I think we'll talk about that more as we go on. But the world is not going to like people standing up for godly principles because the world is going the opposite direction of that. And so when we're standing for godly things that are right, the world's going to hate that. And we may be called names, you know, religious fanatics or whatever. But but that's okay. You know, yeah. if I'm standing up for God, that's okay. If that's the worst thing that happens to me, and so far it has been, that's that's really nothing. Yeah. Uh, Paul said, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I, I really want people to hone in on what Paul said. He didn't say if you are living a godly life, you might get persecuted. He didn't put it in the maybe realm. Yeah. He put it in the certain realm. Yea, all that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So if we're not if we're not being persecuted in some fashion, again, that's a warning sign. We ought to be alerted and concerned if that is the case. Um, Kent in Georgia says, none of us today are greater than Christ or the apostles of Christ or the first century, our first century brethren. If our current society hates the truth for which those first century Christians suffered and died, we should not expect any better treatment when God's truth is hated by the masses in our day. You know, that's really what has all, I think it's interesting how Kent brought that out. What the reason God's faithful people have been persecuted through all of time is because they stood for what the world hated. They stood for the truth of God. They stood for serving God faithfully. And people who don't love God and people who don't want to serve God, when they see that, it, enra- it enrages them and they want to, they want to squash it. They want to, they want to stamp it out. And so I think he's right that it is the truth of God, which is the root cause of persecution. And when we stand for the truth of God, which we must, then we're going to be persecuted like they were. Uh, Dwight in Iowa says, John 15, oh, he, he quotes the the verse you referenced in John Sorry, 15, 18. He, he walked on your answer there, Dwight. <laughs> uh, but, but I think that's a really powerful verse. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Mm-hmm. And so we need to be ready for that. Yeah. All right, we're going to grab a break. When we come back, I want, I want us to explore a little bit more. What are some of the current forms of persecution that we are seeing in our world today stay with us we'll be back on the virtual bible study right after this don't touch that mouse the virtual bible study will be back right after this here's a quick thought but now O lord you are our father we are the clay and you are our potter we all are the work of your hand Isaiah 64, verse 8. God formed us from the dust. He is the one who fashioned us in his image. Will you continue to let him mold you this day to be a vessel for his honor and glory? Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Perseverance is the hard work you do after you get tired of doing the hard work you already did. People who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. Minds are like parachutes. They only function when they are open. If a million people say a foolish thing, it's still a foolish thing. Deal with the faults of others as gently as with your own. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. 
And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We're talking about persecution and the reality of persecution. And really that as the faithful people of God, we need to expect to see forms of persecution come our way. It's it's been pretty mild. It hasn't been bad uh, so far in our lives, but it could get worse. And whatever happens, we need to be ready. So we want to talk about uh, what are some of the current forms of persecution that we might face. And to introduce that thought... I found a definition, uh, Josh, on in, in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. Some people know that as the ISBE. Persecution is the suffering or pressure, mental, moral, or physical, which authorities, individuals, or crowds inflict on others, especially for opinions or beliefs with a view to their subjection by recantation, silencing, or as a last resort, execution. So notice, the it, it can take lots of forms. It can be pressure, mental, moral, or physical pressure. It can come from authorities or individuals or crowds of people. It's because of what we believe, and their and their intention is to bring us into subjugation. Uh, subjugation. They want us to recant what we believe. Or at least be quiet about what we believe. Or as a last resort, they just silence us themselves. So I thought that was a pretty good statement about what persecution is. You know, I think when we view persecution, really what we think to those Bible carriers, a lot of their persecution was physical, mm-hmm. was was outright physical persecution. I mean, uh, when Paul listed the persecutions he, he faced, uh, he talked about being beaten with rods. He talked about being stoned and left for dead. Uh, so uh, when we think of persecution, we're prone to think of sort of exclusively physical torture of some kind. But it doesn't necessarily have to be physical torture. We've never known that sort of persecution at all. But I do think that we have faced pressure to recant what we believe or at least be silent about what we believe. And then if, if, if our persecutors can't succeed at that, they haven't executed us literally yet, but they have tried to uh, make us inconsequential, maybe sort of uh, exclude us, you know, kind of point a finger at us. Those people are religious fanatics and weirdos, and you, you really shouldn't have anything to do with them. So that's 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 a real persecution, really based upon the definition that we read. Yeah, really, with the, the rise of social media, um, just all forms of media in general, um, you know, uh, easier for people to express their thoughts. And so, if you, um, you know, were to express your thoughts of uh, godly principles, you're probably going to get a lot of backlash for that. And it's easy to for for a group of people, sort of, it's like the mob mentality, but. But over over the internet, you know, and and there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there, and and so you try to get people uh, on your side and take the mob mentality and say that person, you know, they don't they don't believe it's okay for two men to be married or whatever, and so they they attack them. So it's really I think you're right, but but those mental sort of attacks are, um, you know, can can be just as bad as uh, the, the well, physical. And, I mean, and when we take increasingly unpopular views on on moral and doctrinal issues then people will try to minimize us you know try to get people to they'll label us and try to get people to think badly toward us so that our our efforts to teach and influence others would be restricted they can't get maybe they can't get us to recant what we said and maybe they can't get us to be silent about what we said but they can put us off in a corner uh, and, and and label us right. in such a way that people won't listen to us. Yeah. Well, we've got what do they call that, it? Cancel culture now. Yeah. You know, that's so. a that's a form of silencing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're right. So the things that we're talking about are not politically correct, uh, and and people don't don't like that, and so they will they will attack us in that way. And I think probably probably more so in the future than in the past. Um, I, so I've got some statistics. I don't know. Yeah. I, I found this on OpendoorUSA.com, just a quick search. And so it said that uh, last year 5,898 Christians were killed. So it, it uses the term Christian loosely, so everybody should know that, uh, for faith-related reasons. It says 5,100 church buildings 
uh, were attacked. It says 4,765 believers detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. It says 3,829 is the number of Christians abducted for faith-related reasons. I don't know how they gather all those details. Those seem, I mean, obviously 5,800 people is a lot that are that are killed. It's way too many, but percentage-wise, that's that's pretty small percentage, uh, but. I imagine those numbers would continue to grow. I mean, eventually, if we continue to stand against things that are not uh, things that are popular, I imagine the backlash will just continue to grow. Well, I, my guess is that a lot of those a lot of those statistics come from other parts of the world, right? Where right. You know, that's not happening in the United States of America, right? Yeah, that's country. worldwide. But I, but you, you read about some things like that in in maybe. Uh, Africa, where mm-hmm. the Muslims are very aggressive in, mm-hmm. in hunting down Christians and, and imprisoning them or killing them or torturing them. And so I imagine a lot of those kind of statistics happen in other parts of the world. We should be grateful that our part of the world is free from that. And while we have such freedom, I, I always one of the takeaways I always try to make here is we're, that's not, we're not facing that, at least at this point in time. And while we're not facing that sort of persecution, we need to be busy. I agree. Teaching as much as we can. Now, in the chat room, Brian in California says, In ancient times, conformity did not tolerate dissent. Today, I believe the principal type of persecution we face is being societal outcasts. We just don't fit into the present culture, nor should we. And I, and I think Brian's right. I think Stephanie in the chat room says, Brian in California, I believe you're totally correct. Yeah, I think so too, Brian. I think you're right on on that. Uh, our friend Kent in Georgia says persecution can and does come in various forms. We have been blessed in years past to have lived in a society that respected religious freedom, even when many differed with both our faith and practices. In view of current secularism and various systems of unbelief, it seems that we have drifted away from religious freedom to that of religious uh, or even religious toleration. Secular humanism has taken our nation in a downward spiral of atheism, agnosticism, communist, Marxism, and socialism. We have gradually drifted from classical atheism to a radical form of anti-theism. I think that's interesting. I like the way he put that. It's not just that people are atheists. They are against those who believe in God. It's not just that they don't believe in God. They, they aggressively oppose those who do believe in God. So they're not just atheists. They're anti-theists. This has created a mindset of opposition to truth to the point where a growing number reject the concept of religious toleration and the U.S. Constitution's affirmation of religious freedom. There's a growing hatred for morality and religious freedom when, if left unchecked, will bring about persecution among all religious people, especially those who advocate biblical separatism from the world and is found among conservative New Testament churches. So Kent doesn't paint a very promising picture there we, but but you know the fact the way he described that we've been in a downward spiral mm-hmm. and i think it's accelerating i do too uh, uh it's getting worse and it's getting worse faster and faster yeah. so i think kent's on the mark there <clears throat> dwight in iowa says in our modern world i would say that we get ridiculed <clears throat> or made fun of we may get called religious fanatics we may lose friends or family over being christians i like i i, I appreciate Dwight bringing out that last point because I think there's a lot of uh, of us who have lost friends because of what we believe, who have been even alienated from blood kin because of what we believe, and someone's oh wow you know family is so important you you should you should compromise if it means you're going to be losing contact with family no that's a form of persecution that we have to be willing to take yeah. you know Jesus said that. That, and we referenced it recently on the Virtual Bible study. He, you know, he said that he didn't come to bring peace, but to, to a sword, and that he would divide families even who who would and would not. Be, they would divide over those who would and would not follow him. And so, again, I, I do think that that's a real and legitimate form of persecution, and we need to be ready to expect it. Kyle, any thoughts? Yeah, which talking about uh, you know feeding off Josh's statistics about, you know, where around the world people are facing that persecution and being stamped out. But, you know, we've been, we've been very, could be jaded here at home. You know, we've, uh, we've been protected by our government. 
But who's to say at some point in our history that our government could be like, well, no, that, that is hate speech. Or this is so we shouldn't be comforted. We shouldn't be wrapped up in our, you know, our supposed protections. So but persecution can and will come. And yeah. it's, it's sooner than later. It's yeah. So it's just to be be ready for it. You know, I think you're definitely. right. I think you're exactly right. All right. We're going to grab a, a break. And when we come back from this break, we want to talk about how we should respond. So persecution is reality. And, and we've already said, if we're not, if we're not getting some kind of pushback from the world, there's already something wrong with us. We should, we, we can even use that as sort of a a self test. If, if you are not producing some friction with the world around you, then that's a warning sign that you're not standing for God's truth like you should, because we've been told plainly in the scriptures that if we do stand for God's truth, the world will hate us. So when the world hates us and when they try to persecute us, how should we react? We're going to talk about that when we come back from this break. Stay with us. The virtual Bible study will continue. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. A common question when you're filling out various applications has to do with where you live, what your living accommodations are. Usually we're asked if we own our own home or if we rent. For those who are homeowners, the correct response is that we own our home. But, of course, that's not entirely accurate in most cases. Yes, we have invested in our home. Yes, we are on record of deed at the courthouse. Yes, we're responsible if the drains back up or if the furnace quits working. But the truth is that the bank or finance company probably has more invested in the house than we do. Because of this, we have certain restrictions about what we can and cannot do with the property. Fail to adhere to the terms of the mortgage, and the bank will quickly repossess the place. The fact is, the house is not really our own. There's a spiritual parallel to this idea of ownership. Many times we hear folks say, it's nobody's business but my own. I can do as I please. But expressions like that convey the idea that we are accountable to no one. And this, of course, completely ignores all that the Bible has to say about God's judgment in passages like 2 Corinthians 5.10 and Romans 14.12. But for those of us who are Christians, we have even a greater reason to think along these lines. For you see, we truly belong to God. He owns us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning verse 19 says, Ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Father has invested a huge amount in us. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning verse 18, You were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood, the blood of Christ. Realizing this truth about ownership, we should also understand that there are obvious restrictions concerning what we can and cannot do. We are obligated as Christians to adhere to the rules and regulations set forth by the one who actually holds the note, the one who owns us. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And we're back on the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that the virtual Bible study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about the College View Church at our website, collegeview.com. Lots of teaching resources are there. Kyle, uh, who is our control operator on Thursday nights, is also our uh Video master, uh, Kyle, we got a lot of videos on collegeview.com. Not videos of the virtual Bible study, but other videos. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of, we have, uh, we do our, of course, our Bible classes and uh, Bible study on Sundays and Wednesdays and our sermons. So he has a lot of, a lot of resources you can just add to your studies on there. Yeah. So we're currently studying in the book of Luke on mm-hmm. Sunday mornings and, and Kyle's got a playlist started for that. We're studying in Galatians. We studied the works of the flesh and now are studying the fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter five. And you can look at those uh, lessons there. And just there's a huge amount of, uh, of study resources on collegeview.com. And that's in addition to all the study resources that are available on the virtual Bible study.com. You know, we talked about this recently. Uh, when the persecution gets uh, a little harder, Josh, I th- I think they're going to be able to discover where we stand pretty quickly because we got so much information out there on the internet. Right. We we haven't hidden what we believe, and that may provoke some more harsh persecution. So, 
uh, how should we respond? That's our question. How should we respond? How should all who call themselves Christians, how should we respond to persecution? What do you think? Well, uh, my first thought was to go to Romans 12. There's a lot of things that Paul said about this. Uh, In verse 14, uh, he said, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. In verse 17, he said, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Verses 19 to 21, he said, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So I really think that Paul really gives a good warning. You know, maybe maybe our worldly mindset would be, you know, I'm going to go uh, gather up a group of people and we'll just go whoop those people that want to persecute me. We'll get them before they got a chance to get us. Uh, Paul says, you don't get caught up. Don't get be overcome with evil because if you do that, you're just as, as bad as the people that are going to persecute you. You do right. Bless those that persecute you. Uh, recompense to no man evil for evil. And I really like verse 19. Uh, the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. You know, God's going to sort all that out, and, and those people are going to be uh, dealt just like we are, uh, the reward for how we act. And so for me and, and all of us, it's how we respond. We, so in, respo- in response, we cannot respond right. in kind. Right, that's right. So there, uh, We're held they, to a higher standard. We need to, we need to live up to that. that that's, that's a really good point. And in that regard, Peter said about our Savior Jesus, 1 Peter 2, verse 21, for even here and two were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. You know, Jesus had the power that he could have lashed out at those who were persecuting him, torturing him to death. He had the power to bring it to a stop and to and to harshly affect all of those without who, lifting a finger just just saying the word say the word and it happened and he didn't when he when he was around i think when they were uh, spitting in his face and slapping oh, him man. with their hands when he was reviled he reviled not again when he suffered i think about him hanging on the cross and the torture when he suffered he didn't threaten those right. who were who were crucifying him when he suffered he threatened not he committed himself to the one who judges righteously. That's what we got to do. Yeah. In the face of persecution, no matter what it may be like, we've got to commit ourselves to the one who judges righteously. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Of course, one word I think that comes to mind about how we deal with persecution is we've got to endure it. We've got to, we've got to see it through. Paul said of himself in Second Timothy chapter 1, Verse 11, Paul said, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentile, for which cause I also suffer these things. Now, remember, Paul's writing from prison when he wrote that. In fact, he's writing from prison likely just before he was executed for being a Christian and a preacher of the gospel. So he says, uh, that's why I'm suffering these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And he encouraged Timothy to do the same thing. He said in Second Timothy two verse three, therefore endure hardship. Therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So you got to see it through. You got to endure. Yeah, and as we've said, there's places in the world where it's pretty ugly right now. But we, we've got to, and, and whether it's a persecution like they're suffering or the lesser persecutions that we face, we 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 cannot give in. We cannot compromise. So, you know, for us, it might be that, well, my family, I, I've got some family members who are pretty mad at me because of what I believe and what I do religiously. I, I could compromise and get back on their good side. No, yeah. I've got to endure that. Because it's the right thing. Yeah, I think we just need to go ahead and get our mind made up that whatever happens, we need to be determined to do right. Yeah. And it could get could get ugly, uh, but I I got to be determined to do right regardless. Yeah, exactly. Now, I had a question I wanted to ask. The scriptures actually tell us to rejoice <laughs> when we're persecuted. Uh, there's more than one reference, but the one I want to bring out is what Jesus said right at the start of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five. Verse 11, 
He said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus said, Rejoice when you're persecuted. <clears throat> what about that? What do you, uh, uh, so they're, 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 now they haven't done this yet. But let's say that they were. Let's say that they tied you up to a post and, and started beating you with a whip. And uh, what do you mean rejoice in that? Are we are we are we some kind of sadists who love to be tortured or what? Yeah. No, no. Uh, don't want to go through that pain. But I, I really think that First Peter four and verse sixteen. He said, "If any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf." So when you suffer for the cause of Christ, you know, I'm, I'm suffering because I'm a Christian. I'm wearing the name of Christ. I'm following him. Then I can glorify God because I'm, I'm living the way God wants me to. You know, the rest of the world is treating me badly. That's how they, they treated Jesus. They hated him. I'm being treated this way because I'm doing right. And so toward God, everything's good. God is happy with me because of that. Uh, and so suffering as a Christian is, is something that we should feel good about you know nobody likes pain and, and to be made fun of really but for suffering as a christian it's a good thing uh, well notice jesus said rejoice be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven that's right this shows that we're doing the will of god and that there's a reward for that it'll be an eternal reward in heaven and so we can be happy about that we can yeah. re- it's not that we crave to be persecuted or actually seek out yeah. uh, persecution I, i'm Hey, I think if I go over here and get in this guy's face, he'll probably reach back and punch me in the nose. And so I'm going to try to provoke him just to see if I can get him to strike me. Yeah. No, it's not that. But it, it is when we are just living righteous lives and teaching God's truth and people don't like it and persecute us because of it, then that that's a reason for rejoicing. There's part of that, and I want to hold part of that you know, uh, for our next question Jesus said something else there that I think also is is one of the benefits of being persecuted. We'll talk about that in our next question. Let me read what our emailers said here. Uh, Kent in Georgia says, 1 Peter 4, 11 through 16 gives an excellent summary of how New Testament Christians should react to persecution. Let me read that real quickly. 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. And that word means blessed, and not just that we're giggly happy, but that we're blessed. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as a busybody, excuse me, as evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matter. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that be, uh, uh, on this behalf. Notice, let him not be ashamed. If we're persecuted, we should not be ashamed of being persecuted. That's another part of the reaction that we should put forth. I think Kent put us on a really good text there in regards to how we respond to persecution. Uh, Dwight says, and I'm going to hold uh, uh, Dwight's comments for this next uh, question about the benefits of persecution uh, he says we, we need to realize that when we are persecuted for righteousness sake, this should this will make us stronger and be able to withstand future trials. And I think that's right. And there's some, we want to talk some more about some of the real benefits that come when we suffer persecution. Well, there are several comments in the chat room. Um, Shane Fisher, 86, he says he's a missionary of the Lord's Church that goes to India. And there, uh, and there they are, have a Hindu government creating no conversion laws. There's been a great harvest growing in India. Let's pray for the church there to endure such sufferings. He says, I realize uh, we do have freedom in this country, but I sometimes wonder if persecution coming to America might remove the lukewarm news, lethargic attitude that a lot have. Uh, and then he, he says, down there, bless and pray for our enemies, Matthew 5, verses 10 yeah. through 12. Well, that's one of the reactions. That's uh, uh, One of the reactions is pray, 
for your enemies. Uh, that's hard. It's a hard teaching, but it's, yeah. way, it's what we do when we face persecution. All right. When we come back, let's talk about, as we go to the top of the hour, let's talk about are there actual benefits to being persecuted? And is it ever appropriate to try and avoid persecution? I think that's a really important question. We want to get to that. Stick with us. We'll be back to finish up the virtual Bible study right after these messages. What are the benefits to be gained by suffering persecution, enduring persecution? Josh, what do you, what do you think? Well, in James chapter 1, uh, beginning at verse 2, he said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So he doesn't mention persecution there, but uh, he, he said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. I think under persecution, uh, you know, we'd be tempted to, to, you know, turn from the faith. And so, so I think that kind of works out. But he says, the trying of your faith worketh patience. You know, we really grow during difficult times. When things are easy, a lot of times the, the tendency for us is to, well, we've got it made. We'll just kick back and relax. I mean, everything's great. Everything's good. Yeah. Uh, but during difficult times, we really have to stand up. We really have to stand for something, uh, and it causes us to grow. And so I think what James was talking about there is when you're when you're going through difficult times, your faith is going to be tried, and you're going to come out on the other end if you remain faithful. You're going to be even stronger, and yeah. you go through those trials, and you, it makes you stronger. If everything was just smooth sailing, we'd never grow. In Dwight's email, he had linked that those first verses with verse 12 in James 1. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Right. So that's the so the benefit is that we grow, and we and we are more prepared. Uh, for ultimate judgment, and yeah. so uh, you know the, the eternal reward is is a, a sure benefit of enduring persecution. The Lord said in Revelation two verse ten, uh, "Fear not of those things which thou shalt suffer." So he was writing to people who were being persecuted, but he says, "Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer." Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So one of the one of the benefits, the certain benefits of enduring persecution is the eternal reward that we have. And, and I think that's really important. Uh, you know, well, I guess I would say it's ultimately yeah. important. Yeah. I mean, nothing more important than that. But another thing that I, I think it is... It, and you're going to have to kind of concentrate to remember this in the moment of temptation. But, you know, if if you are living in such a way that you are persecuted for for righteousness sake, you know, it's not it's not persecuted like maybe David Koresh's people in Waco, Texas, because they were they were not serving righteousness. They were way off track. Now, they they. They endured some real hardships, but it wasn't true persecution for righteousness sake. Or Jim Jones in Guyana, when all those people drank the Kool-Aid, they they felt that they were being persecuted. We're not talking about people who are out in in left field somewhere and 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 they provoke a a reaction to what they're doing. We're talking when we when we are living true to the Word of God, and and we get a reaction, a negative reaction from people. One of the things. And again, you have to you have to be focused to think this in the moment of, of persecution. But he says, Jesus said, "Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you." So, you know, one of the things is it puts us in good company. Uh, we're in the company of God's faithful people. God's faithful people have always been persecuted, and so those people that we mentioned at the start, you mentioned Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. He suffered a lot of persecution. If I suffer persecution for the Lord, I'm in there with Jeremiah or Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Paul, Joseph, Stephen. I mean, name all the great heroes of the faith who suffered persecution. And if I am called upon to suffer some persecution for God's sake, I'm in company with them. That's a pretty that's a pretty neat thing to think about, that we could be yeah. in that kind of noble company. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Uh, and, and, of course, uh 
Well, let me read to you Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32, Call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, ye endured a great, a great fight of afflictions, partly while she were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while she became companions of them who were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. So the Hebrew writer said, you know, that they were companions of those who had suffered such things. We're companions of those who have suffered such things when we are faithful in the face of persecution. Uh, I don't know. That, to me, that's sort of an appealing thing to remember. I, I, again, in the in the moment of persecution, I think it might be hard to recount that, but I think it's it's really important. Let me read our emails real quick. Uh, uh, Kent says, "Yes, there are benefits that come from persecution. Such can and will notice this. Now, this is persecution." can and will rid local churches of cowards, compromisers, and those who be, pretend to be genuine, genuine Christians but are not. It's almost a winnowing effect. So if persecution gets gets very strong, the weak will the the weak, the, the uncommitted, they'll they'll fall off quickly. It'll be yeah. like chaff from the wheat. That's what Kent's right. I hadn't thought about that, but I think he's probably right about that. Uh, uh, Dwight in Iowa says, he mentions again, James 1 and verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for when he's approved, he will receive the crown of life. First uh, Peter 5.10 says, after you have suffered a little while, God of the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory uh, in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Romans 5 verse 3 beginning says, not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance, proven character and proven character, hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. All right. Very good. All right. All right. Let's we've just got a few minutes left. Let's focus in on this last question, which I think is maybe the most interesting of the questions we've got to deal with tonight. Is it ever appropriate to try to avoid persecution? So I got an idea, Josh, that they're coming Sunday and, and, and they're going to arrest some of us Christians at worship services on Sunday. Should I do something to avoid that? Or, you know, maybe they're going to maybe they're going to there's going to be a. There's going to be a roadblock as we leave here tonight. Just down the road, there's going to be a checkpoint. And at that checkpoint, they're going to be asking us, you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God? Would it be, would it ever be right to try to avoid situations like that where, where that kind of confrontation and persecution is almost certain? Would it ever be appropriate? Yeah. Well, well, we talked uh, about this a little last yeah, night. We, yeah, we did. So, well, in, in Acts chapter 8, so, so at the end of Acts, Acts chapter 7 where Stephen was stoned, you know, Saul was uh, persecuting the church. In the beginning of Acts chapter 8, it says Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered, scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Verse 4 says, uh, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So uh, Saul was persecuting the church at Jerusalem. Uh, and verse 3, it says he was, he was, him and his group of people with him were grabbing men and women. They were throwing them into prison because they were Christians, because they were following Jesus Christ. But there were some of them, though, uh, in verse 1, it says they were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea. They weren't scattered, I don't think, by Saul. They, they left. Uh, and then when they left, though, they didn't stop being Christians. Verse 4 says everywhere they went, they went about preaching the word. And so in that case, I think that's an example of the church at Jerusalem, which obviously includes a lot of individuals, 
but the church scattered abroad because there was a great persecution and they went about being Christians and living a Christian life wherever they went. So I would have to say to that question, uh, you know, you're taking an alternate, alternate route on the way home. Uh, I would have to say that here's an example of people that avoided that persecution. Yeah. Uh, they didn't, and they didn't just say, you know what, I'm going did, looking for but, it, but they didn't deny it. They they didn't avoid it by denying the Lord. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, that's the distinguish. They that, have that, to make. So that's an important distinction. There, you know, they they under that pressure, they didn't just say, "Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute." Uh, yeah, I'm not I, a Christian. Don't I'm throw not me in a prison. Christian. I'm not gonna, yeah. I don't believe in Jesus. Forget that. Yeah. They didn't do that. But they didn't say, "I'm staying. I don't care if Saul comes right now. Yeah. Uh, he, he's going to have to throw me in prison." They they left to avoid it. Yeah. But they continued being faithful to God. Yeah. Wherever good, they were. A good example, I think. Uh, Think about Saul of Tarsus, Paul himself, the Apostle Paul, when he was converted. And we know, we talked about the fact that he faced lots of persecution. Got just sort of a list here of just a few things. Paul fled from Damascus. He was run out of town at Iconium. He chose to quickly leave with, with the encouragement of the brethren. He chose to quickly leave from Thessalonica. But he went back to Lystra after, shortly after having been stoned there, and he resolutely headed for Jerusalem, though he knew that, quote, imprisonments and afflictions await me there, Acts 20, verse 23. So Paul did a variety of things, but in some of those instances, he did leave a situation where it looked pretty clear that he might be persecuted. Yeah. But uh, think about this. This is what somebody said about what Paul did. Paul responded to all persecution situations based upon what he saw was best for the success of the gospel. Yeah. Not out of interest for his personal comfort or safety. I think that's a pretty interesting observation. Yeah. Uh, so Paul did. Sometimes Paul, he, he left town when it was clear that he would be persecuted intensely if he stayed there. But when he left, he, he, he didn't denounce his faith. And so, for instance, when he left Thessalonica... He left there and went immediately to Berea in Acts mm-hmm. chapter 17 and continued right on preaching the gospel of Christ. So I do think so. It's not appropriate to try to avoid persecution by denying our faith. Right. But it may be that that in some situations we make a judgment to to not stay stay here where, yeah. you know, they make they make kill me or silence me in various ways maybe i should go over there and preach instead of staying here uh, where i won't be able to preach yeah you know those are so i think there's some judgment involved but always i think i think the observation is good like paul we always ought to uh, the basis of our determination however we whatever we do is that we want to do the best for the furtherance of the gospel yeah real quickly we're just out of time Kent says we should never desire persecution just to be persecuted for the sake of such in a general way. However, when Satan and his crowd launches an attack against God's truth and God's people, we need to stand firm just like Christ did in his earthly ministry and just like the early Christians did in the first century. By so standing for truth, one can demonstrate the genuine nature of both godly and spiritual living that is found in Christ. This will demonstrate the basis for true New Testament Christianity. And Dwight says... Uh, it's like trouble. I don't go looking for it. I don't go looking for persecution. But when it comes my way because of righteousness sake, I won't duck away from it. We re- need to remember what was told in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. God, who is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape so that you'll be able to endure it. We also need to remember that if we are faithful unto death, that includes overcoming persecution we will have heaven waiting for us. And I think that's exactly right. I think it's a good discussion, Josh. Uh, and again, we've sort of lived, in a, uh, as someone said, we sort of fell in a tub of butter here. We've had it easy. Uh, but it may not always be so. We've got to be ready. You know, and, and as and I think we right now, I, I, I'm an old man, Josh, but I think the times are as uncertain for us right now as they ever have been in my lifetime. And so my regular prayer to God is no matter what comes, that we will stand firm and do right. And I think we all should be praying for that. Yeah, we got to be committed. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I guess go ahead and make up our minds right now. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Know, how, how we're going to live regardless. Kyle, final thoughts? Yeah, it's 
persecution is, if it's not here, if you're not experiencing it right now, you probably will be if you are a Christian. So it's just, you got to steal yourself. Look and read your Bible and just live by it. Just uh, stick to what the Bible says. Have comfort in what God, in God's word. So just, yeah. Exactly right. Thanks for your help, Kyle. That was good. Josh, thanks. Lord willing, we'll be back for another episode of the Virtual Bible Study next Thursday night. Maybe set a reminder on your smartphone or do something to remind you to be with us every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time for the Virtual Bible Study. Until that time, read and study your Bible, live by it every day. You'll never regret it.